Do you know the world's in an energy crisis right now? And there's only one way out of that crisis. That's through the next generation of folks coming along to take care of the energy crisis. We're here to visit with Grace Stanky, and I mean this is going to be a phenomenal discussion. She is the reigning Miss America, and as a nuclear engineer, I have been following her all year as she's been traveling around the world. This is a rare opportunity to get an insight for our next generation of energy elites. My name is Stu Turley, President and CEO of the Sandstone Group, and welcome to the Energy News Beat. Welcome, Grace. Thank you for your time. Thanks, Stu. I'm so excited for this. It's always a great time talking about energy, talking about nuclear, talking about all the awesome things. Oh, I'll tell you, there's a there's so much going on. Uh, a, I love your your energy, your excitement, and the number one problem we have is how do we get the next generation of engineers? How do we get the next generation in there? And you're running around being the cheerleader for nuclear. How cool is that? Yeah, I mean, it's really awesome because for me personally, getting into nuclear was almost by accident. Like it was not a. I don't have a good origin story as to how I got into nuclear, which we can get into that in a bit. But um, I think it's really cool because nuclear science exists all around us in our everyday lives. We just don't know it. You know, smoke detectors, Hmm. exit signs. If you like bananas and avocados, those are actually naturally a little bit radioactive. Uh, Anytime you get on a plane, you're getting exposed to a little bit more radiation than normal. Like nuclear science is literally everywhere. In the more major ways it affects our lives, you know, my dad's a two-time cancer survivor. He's alive because of nuclear medicine. Um, And there are so many applications in the medicine world. And then we have the power side of things, creating clean, reliable electricity for 20% of America, uh, which is an insane amount of electricity at the end of the day. It it is. Now, I'm sitting here thinking about how much I love avocados, especially during football season. And I'm now realizing why I glow when I walk down the hall. And I mean, it's like, holy smoke. Oh, not quite. Not quite. Why Why avocados specifically in football season? I've never heard that before. Well, you, you got you to have a dip. I mean. Oh, just like a guac? Like guac? Yeah, guac, guac. dip. I mean. Okay. All yeah. right. That makes sense. That makes sense. <laughs> you know, hey, I'm I'm a cross between Texan and Oklahoman, so I'm I do a little bit f- weird. So no, that's okay. Uh, I love it. I love it. I love guac. I just I have Mexican food year round. That's my favorite favorite food, hands down. So <laughs> well, you've been on the road probably every day for this entire year, and I've seen some of your interviews and stuff. So what's it like being the representative for Miss America? Yeah, Miss America is a full-time job, which I think a lot of people don't know. And when I say full-time, I mean more than just 40 hours a week. Uh, In the 10 months that I've been Miss America, coming up on 11 now, actually, what's the date today? Yeah, so 11 months now. Um, I, I've traveled just under 200,000 miles uh, across the country and the world. I've done 22 states. And I have been to five countries so far, I think it is. I'll have a total of seven, I want to say, internationally in this last month here. Uh, so it's really incredible because as Miss America, I get wow. to my, I get to do some really awesome things in addition to supporting my personal social impact initiative. So my personal social impact is talking all about nuclear energy. So 90 to 95% of my appearances relate to that in some way, whether it's visiting schools and talking to kids right. about how cool nuclear science is, whether it's talking to people already in the workforce to talk about how we can continue to be good mentors and advocate and develop our industry. 
All the way to, you know, I spent Monday and Tuesday last week in D.C. talking to congressmen and senators about how we can improve your energy. Um, So that's that side of it. The other side of it, I get to do some fun things. So, like, I've gone skydiving with the Army. I went to the Kentucky Derby. Uh, It's really just some awesome things like that. How fun is that? Now, yeah, I'm sitting there. Just, it's great. It's great. I, I barely got out of Oklahoma State University. I mean, my grade point average was terrible. I was not interested in school. I should have gone in the Army, speaking of Army, rather than going there. But I covered it up with another degree later on. Now, yeah. encouraging the next generation of engineers. Uh, what are you hearing from students out there? Because I'm hearing that that's the number one problem we have for oil companies and natural gas and renewable uh, companies. They can't find help. So honestly, everywhere, this isn't just an an energy sector problem. I mean, anywhere and everywhere needs employees. And honestly, that's just a generational thing. One of my mentors, she was talking about how, you know, we've got the boomers that are aging out of the workforce. Well, that was one of your biggest generations to ever exist. So you have one of your largest workforces. And now we have Gen Z sort of stepping into this role where we just literally don't have as many people. Um, So that's one issue in and of itself. But second of all, we have a lot of different development in terms of soft skills and uh, a lot of those skills that we learned through college. And obviously, the pandemic affected a lot of young people today. Uh, But honestly, most people are more than excited. They want mentorship opportunities. It's learning about how to step outside of the box and try something new and ask for help. I think that's one thing that it's not always a welcoming environment to say, hey, listen, I really admire what you do in your job as as a podcast host or in the oil industry or in nuclear. And that's a scary thing, you know, and then to ask, how can I follow in your path? Can I shadow you for a day? Can What advice do you have? You know, that's something that's scary. So honestly, a lot of it comes down to really sort of, I want to say like nurturing that inner curiosity that so many kids have because everybody has it. I don't care who you are. There is a place for everybody in this world. It's just feeling confident enough to take your place in the world, right? Uh, So I do a lot of work with helping kids find their passions and then let's find a place for your passion within the energy industry because obviously I'm biased towards the energy industry. (laughs) Well, it's it's a place where you're always going to have a job, medical yes. and and energy. You're going to have it now. Mm-hmm. I, I did see uh, that you were out there to see the. I believe it was Colorado Red nuclear reactor starting up. Uh, where you just saw that one. How was that experience? So that was that was Vogel in Georgia. So if oh, you're Georgia. a golf, yeah, okay, if sorry. you're a golf fan. Uh, If you know the Masters Golf Tournament, it's only about 20, 30 minutes away from where the Masters Golf Tournament is in Augusta. So not too far away from there. So people know where it is. Uh, Vogel Unit 3 is the first new construction nuclear reactor to come online in America in 30 years, uh, which is a huge, huge, huge achievement. Uh, It was really cool. I spent my 21st birthday there, actually. Um, That's where I was this year. And I was in the control room when they hit 75% power on that reactor for the first time. And since then, it's been entering commercial operation. It provides clean, reliable electricity to 500,000 homes and businesses in Georgia. They have a fourth unit coming online this in early 2024 as well, which is going to be exciting. So that's going to be another 500,000 homes and businesses powered, which wow. we need more energy. We need reliable energy and we need accessible energy. And nuclear is all of those things. 
Okay, right now I'm going to put in uh, in the show notes here. I w- I would love to throw your name in the hat for energy secretary. I think that you would ab- absolutely <laughs> hit it out of the park. I'm going to call. Oh, thank Trump. you. <laughs> I'm going to call Trump. I'm going to call whoever is on the Republican and also on the Democrat and go. I think we need an. I don't care what party uh, is elected. I think yeah. we need you as an energy secretary. <laughs> oh well, thank you. Well, I've met, I've met Secretary Granholm, the current um, Secretary yep. of Energy, and she's a wonderful, wonderful woman. We'll see. But right now, let me let me start my career a little bit. Let me work in a nuclear <sighs> power plant for a little bit longer, and maybe I'll do politics later on down the line. So call in like four years, five years, okay. maybe then. <laughs> I could maybe be convinced to do it then. But right now, I think I, I want to do engineering for a bit okay. because I. So this is not to not to go on this tangent. Um, you can edit it out if you want. But I, one of my biggest pet peeves is politicians voting on issues that they have zero experience in. And I would never want to be a politician that's in the energy relations area when all I have is a degree, which is a great achievement, but I want to get work experience. I want to be somebody who is in the power plants helping at outages. I want to help design the cores. I want to have that experience. Um, So that's really, really crucial for me. And as you know, something to keep in mind for voters too, this is what I talk about with young kids. Know who you're voting for, do your research, find politicians that are qualified. We need that now more than ever. And I honestly think young people are going to be the generation to really change the trajectory of politics because of that. Wow. My, I'll get off my soapbox yeah, now. No, I'm sorry. I think this is fabulous. <laughs> I, I, you, you just validated my comment. Now, uh, Grace, for my podcast listeners, um, I, I just love every one of our podcast listeners. We're in 150 countries now. And oh. we're we're uh, rock solid and uh, growing every day. But for my uh, podcast listeners, Grace, your eyes and your body language change. You're excited when you're talking about uh, talking about mentorship and kids. But as soon as I said nuclear reactor, your eyes changed <laughs> and you got your physical yeah. arms. You, uh, you know, this is you started talking with your hands. You got emotional. Your passion is both. However, yeah. your real passion is energy. I love that. Yeah. I, and it's such a weird thing. And I feel like I, it's funny because uh, like people find it so strange. They're like a Miss America that like likes energy and electricity like what is going on but i think it's fun um i have like on my instagram bio i put like nuclear nerd and everything and i i think it's just something that uh is going to become a more and more pressing issue especially here in america that we got to start the conversation now you know i tell everyone start your family thanksgiving fight this year you know i want you to ask your crazy aunt linda where does she get her power from does she even know do you know where your power comes from you know all of those things are really important things to know they are and and my belief is that we need to deliver the lowest kilowatt per hour to all citizens of the planet so that we can eliminate energy poverty and elevate humanity all the way out of poverty. There's yeah. several billion, billion people out there that are still cooking over uh, dung and and yeah. everything else. And so my next question is, uh, there one of our national treasures is uh, Meredith Angwin. She wrote the book, uh, Shorting the Grid. And I I love her. And and now your next challenge is going to be nuclear provides such a great baseload. And Mm -hmm. when you throw in renewable into that mix, it man, the balancing authorities just want to shoot themselves in the foot. I mean, it's like an air traffic controller 
all of a sudden something is is going on and they're having to go give me another load over here and that yeah understanding that is going to be probably another big challenge for you unless you already got the grid down to a science well and that's that's exactly kind of what i talk about with especially people who are already in that voting demographic right right do people know what baseload power is and you know typically not that's not a common piece of knowledge <laughs> and understandably so honestly <laughs> I had no idea what baseload power is up until, honestly, I went into the power industry overall. Uh, And for those of you that are listening that don't know, it's about the 70% of our electricity grid that we always need accessible. We need it day and night so we can plug in our phones at night, have our houses cooled, turn on our stoves, just have those like living functions, right? Um, Which honestly, I'll say it. As a 21-year-old right now, I could not survive without power. I never did Girl Scouts. I could survive for a little bit. But, you know, I always say when the apocalypse happens, the first thing I'm grabbing is chapstick, which I think is the most Miss America thing about me, (laughs) in all honesty, because I'm like, listen, I'm going to be so upset if I don't have chapstick with me. (laughs) So, yeah, that's that's where we're at. Um, So power is essential. That baseload power is really, really essential for people to survive. You know, you're from Texas and Oklahoma. I think Texas really saw that hit home when they had that deep freeze a couple of years ago. 200 people died during that incident. Like, right. and that's what's not really talked about is without without that power, without that electricity, without that heat, right. people just aren't capable of surviving on their own. That's because of innovation and technology. We love it. It's great. But we haven't had to worry about that. So we right. need that power. We need it accessible and we need it always available. See, that's where I'm a little different is my son was an Eagle Scout and I got more fun out of uh, helping him. But with my daughter and my son, we're down here in what we call bear country because it takes an hour for the police to get here. Uh, And we have an overpopulation of bears here. So it's kind of fun to make sure you're always keeping your eye and we could survive with no uh, grid. Now, hey, all the power to you. I can backpack. Like, I love backpacking in the national parks. But the thing is, is like I'm preparing for that scenario. Right. I'm preparing for, you know, no electricity, sleeping on a tent, like all of that good stuff. I'll do that for weeks at a time. Um, but, you know, it's different when it's something that you're preparing for and ready for right. versus, you know, you come home and you expect to have power and it's not there after an eight hour workday and you're tired and it was a bad day at work or whatever it might be. Yeah. Right. Um, so in that scenario, I, I'll admit it. I'm, I'm, I'm calling you then noted. I'm calling you first. <laughs> I'll make oh, the drive yeah. from Wisconsin down to Texas. <laughs> oh, ab- Absolutely. But I'll tell you, you know, and that's one of the things that the Americans are spoiled. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when we talk about Pakistan and we talk about all the other countries, they're used to four hours on and 12 yeah. off and then three hours on and, you know, and everything else. If that happens in the U.S., we're toast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. <laughs> now, I, I don't think the Miss America pageant has too many people out there uh, in the Sierras. So if you're out hiking around in the woods, it's kind of hard to do the Pope wave, you know, at Bears, because that's not who's vote. you know, that's not yeah. an impact to what they're trying to do. Mm-hmm. Where do you see yourself? going after the Miss America job that you have? Yeah, so I wrap up Miss America in January of 2024. So mid-January, I'm done. Uh, Then after that, I'm taking a little vacation. I'm actually going to go to Africa. I'm going to spend a week backpacking in the mountains. I'm going to go climb Mount Kilimanjaro, all the good stuff. 
Um, so I start working out in Pennsylvania in March though. So I'll be working for the nation's largest provider of nuclear power. They own and operate 12 different nuclear power plants across the country. No way. And I'm, I'm super excited because 60% of my job will be core design engineering and, you know, doing that nitty gritty work that I talked about at the beginning of this episode. No uh, way. The remaining portion of it is going to be continuing the advocacy, the education, the outreach. I have found this year, I, I didn't expect to want to necessarily continue this as much as I do, but I've realized one, it is so important to have a young person at the table with all of these climate discussions because we have all of these climate discussions and zero carbon discussions and all of this stuff going on for 2050. And it's all being made by people that if I'm going to be completely straight up with you, they're going to be dead by 2050. Like I, I'm sitting there and I'm like, what is going on here? I'm going to say it very directly. I'm so sorry, Stu. <laughs> so I say it like it is. I'm a brutally honest person. How fun. So Yeah. So I, I find it very important to have a young person who is going to be working at these plants, working on this electricity grid by that time, uh, involved in these discussions. And additionally, I have found it to be really important to have a woman representing nuclear as well. Uh, I'm a person that I never really particularly was problem. Like I never saw it as a massive problem because I never I was very blessed where I never felt restrictions going into nuclear. I never felt like it was an impossible opportunity for me to be a woman. Right. In uh, but as I've been growing up, you know, I'm not everyone is in the same situation and I will always be everybody's biggest cheerleader. When I walk into a classroom, I work with every single little kid. If the passion is there, if the excitement is there, I don't care who you are. We need everybody on board. Oh, we need cool. different people, different opinions, different backgrounds, different socioeconomic statuses, like literally just different people, because different people are what make the best teams. And there's nothing that you could say that will change my mind from that. You know, we need that. Your excitement is just way too cool. And <laughs> and I'll tell you, I, I think uh, what's the name of the organization that has uh, your your upcoming March engagement uh, for your job? Oh, yeah, I'll be working for Constellation. Constellation, super. They have just scored a home run by having you on their staff. And I could see that if uh, they were smart, they would have you on also part of your job duties as being on the uh, PR staff. Like Megan Lapp uh, is an advocate for the fisheries and uh, uh, the whales and things for the oceanography. Mm -hmm. And she testifies in front of Congress and all that. And I could see that that would be a very nice thing. So I'm going to call them up and see if they'll put you in there. I'll I'll send you my boss's number. Don't worry. Don't worry. (laughs) Because I think that you would be fabulous. Like Alex Epstein. I've had the pleasure of interviewing Alex Epstein twice. And and he is a phenomenal resource as well, too. I think that you would, uh, if you added that to your bailiwick, you know, you know, not trying to say that, but you would be energizer bunny enough that I think that it would make a difference. Oh, well, thank you. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. We've been trying to drop hints to the the political office visits that we do as well. We're like, hey, if you ever need somebody to come testify to Congress, give me a call. So yeah, Yeah, (laughs) call my people. Yeah, 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 we'll see. We'll see what happens. You know, I'm I'm really excited because I think that, you know, getting involved at all levels is so, so important. Important. I I've realized that, especially with nuclear, it can't just be people from the top down saying, hey, we're building a nuclear power plant in your community, whether you like it or 
Because it doesn't work. It doesn't work. You need support from both ends where you need to have the local communities welcoming this in, excited about it and saying, yes, we want this to be built here. But you also need the top down support, too, for in terms of funding and in terms of policy logistics and just like, you know, politics. Right. Um, So that's something that's so important is to be working with people from sort of both ends there where it's local communities and just the people growing up and moving. um, And then also working with the politicians that are the ones that can enable these things to happen. You know, the number one problem we're having, and I can't wait to get into the, you know, as the modular nuclear reactors come online and they start rolling. I love the idea of smaller uh, grid associations with the small uh, modular nuclear reactors. The number one problem seems to be, and then we have the new technology with the uh, molten salt coming online uh, over at Abilene Christian University. They already have it running down in their basement. That's a basement I would love to have. Can you imagine having your own nuclear reactor having a, your yeah. basement? Honestly, okay, not to not to interject, most college campuses have, like, if they've got a nuclear program, most college campuses have nuclear reactors on site that students learn how to operate. Like, I did that at UW-Madison, and it's just oh, cool. so cool. I think a lot of people don't really realize how prevalent nuclear is and how common reactors are overall. Oh, I I think it's wonderful. Now, uh, regulatory issues uh, seem to be the number one issue. And I I, I, I mean, um, there's a couple of things. It's funny that Diablo Canyon in California has been extended again. Um, because that's a base load of, uh, I think ballpark, you know, nine to 10% of California energy out there. I think it's 14%, which is like a lot for California and California has already got energy problems. You know, we don't need to dive into that, but. (laughs) Yeah. And that's from, uh, an improper balancing of renewables versus base load. Yep. And when you sit back and kind of go, Hmm. Uh, now, uh, Germany. Oh, my goodness. They they shot shut down their uh, remaining nuclear reactors. And then they start they they had Greta. You would make I would love to see a debate with you and Greta about carbon net zero and nuclear. Mm-hmm. I bet that would just that would be a hoot. Mm-hmm. Well, um, I think I may I may actually have I'm headed to COP28 in Dubai this year. Oh, so cool. it'll probably be there. So I don't know. I don't think a debate will be organized, but um, I, I'm hoping to have a conversation with her at one point or another. We'll see. Well, the invitation, Grace, I would love to interview you from Dubai um, <laughs> and get us an update on what's going on there. And, and I think that it's going to be a hoot at COP28 this year. And oh, yeah. I, I, I want to know what you see with boots on the ground. And, and the reason why is uh, we have the prince of Saudi Arabia, the head of Saudi Aramco coming, which are big oil. There's big oil companies going on. And then we have like uh, big oil companies went like Total Energy. That's the Texas, Oklahoma way to say Total. Um, <laughs> I, you know, it's the best I can do. Is that a thing? Wait, OK, I'm sorry. <laughs> Like total, you guys say total. I'm being a smart aleck. Oh, I, total, I was like, I was like, wait, is this serious though? <laughs> okay, I love it. <laughs> no, I'm a dork. But Total yeah. Energies, uh, which is a, a French company, um, they went totally uh, green, and they said we're getting out of our original oil and gas. Shell was going 100% green, and then uh, BP, British Petroleum, changed their name to 
beyond petroleum and they were going green. Well, the U.S. Chevron and uh, all the others said, we're going to stay with Nuke, but we're also going to do other things. Well, guess what? Total Energy, as uh, Bonehead from Oklahoma State University would say, is they're buying enough natural gas plants in the in Texas that would have, be the same amount of power as two nuclear reactors. Mm-hmm. So it it's amazing. Big oil is now flipping over, and now now that I squirreled around on this, when you go to Dubai, it would be fun for you to take a look and see the new relationship between net zero nuclear and big oil. Mm-hmm. I think that it's- would be. And and honestly, I already think it's having tremendous changes. Um, I think people are seeing more than ever that renewables, unfortunately, can't be the only answer in terms of transitioning to a zero carbon portfolio. And nuclear is, you know, previously it was it was honestly the nuclear renaissance in the 70s and 80s when these were all being constructed. It was shut down because oil and gas was scared of it. Like that is honestly it. I highly, yeah. highly recommend watching um, Nuclear Now by Oliver Stone. It's a new documentary yes. that came out. Uh, it kind of goes into that side of it of what happened back in the 70s and 80s and as to why America isn't powered by 80 percent of nuclear po- nuclear power today. Right. Like, why isn't it? Um, right. And now all of a sudden the script is changing where oil and gas seeing weight this might be our friends here. Uh, and it's really an interesting discussion because I think more than ever, people are open as well. People are right. excited to learn. People are curious. It's just all about fostering that curiosity and right. providing them the opportunity to ask questions and provide unbiased answers and just unjudgmental answers too. How fun. Yeah. Um, I had the pleasure of uh, interviewing Thomas Jam from Copenhagen Atomics uh, not too long ago. Oh, yeah. And he has got the thorium reactor and the mm-hmm. thorium reactors, they're building the small nu- uh, modular nukes. Uh, they're going to put out 300 a year. And, and that's, think about that. You could drop those bad dogs on any coal plant and then fire yep. them up and you're off and running. Now, um, that is kind of cool. Are you interested in all forms of nuclear, whether it's uranium, normal fission, thorium? Do you care? Yep. What is your passion there? So I support all of it. You know, I am all okay. for <laughs> any and any and all types of nuclear science that makes sense, that makes logical sense, both economically and from the energy grid standpoint. Okay. Um, right now in America specifically, I don't think thorium is a great option to pursue uh, for the immediate solutions right now. Same with fusion energy. You know, I worked in a fusion research lab. I think fusion truly is the answer to nuclear science and like energy right. problems overall. But what we have for a solution right now to get us from point A to point B, where we can build fusion at a cost effective point, at a reliable point and at a point that we know for sure works. You know, we got to have something in between here still. And to me, that is still working with fission plants right now. I think it is going to be SMRs. I think SMRs are going to be the future of nuclear here in America. Um, the struggle with nuclear is making the capital investment and SMRs help reduce that cost and help make it more accessible to companies and to um, individuals, not necessarily individuals, but co-ops to get become a part of, uh, which is really exciting. We're seeing that more and more. Wow. There's a ton of American SMR companies as well. Uh, a lot of really exciting technology and innovation all across, you know, the entire globe. But it's going to be an exciting next probably decade because we'll start seeing the options of which SMRs make it through that that intense regulatory license approval process, wow. which, we, you know, you brought up earlier. 
um, and which ones don't, because some of them might not, some of them will, and we'll see which ones kind of come out to the top there. You are such a class act and a breath. I mean, this is so cool that you're so hopeful for uh, the next generation and everything else. Grace, what was the toughest question you had in the Miss America competition when they were the judges were asking you questions? I know that's kind of, I, I'm always wondering, you know, yeah. what's the toughest question? Yeah. You know, honestly, it's not really the questions themselves that are difficult because by the time you get to Miss America, honestly, you're ready for anything. Like you can answer any and all questions. The most difficult right. part of the interview process for me um, is, is at Miss America, you know, you've got 10 minutes to sit down with five people in a room and tell them, you know, they ask you questions. You have to convince them, one, you're right for the job. And two, they have to get to know you in some way, shape or form. So because of that, you get a big wow. variety of questions. And the biggest difficulty that I had, which my interview is somewhere on the Internet, I found out. So you can watch it oh, cool. uh, is we were talking about, you know, there was more of like a fluff question is what I would say, where it's about trying to get to know me and who I am. Mm -hmm. And they asked me, you know, OK, well, how did you spend Thanksgiving this year? And at the time. You know, talking my about nuclear with my family. Well, well, no. So so my grandma was in the hospital, actually, and she really wasn't oh. doing well over Thanksgiving. So we went to the gas station and it's a very Wisconsin gas station. Quick trip spelled K-W-I-K, oh, not Q-I-K, yeah. K-W-I-K, far, far superior. Um, our Wisconsin <laughs> quick trip gas stations. I love them. I, I love them. They're amazing. And we got like these gas station Thanksgiving meals and we went to the hospital and we spent Thanksgiving with my grandma who was just, you know, really not in a good place. And like, I'm talking about this in my interview, like literally the, the emotional equivalent of like taking my heart out and laying it on the table. It had happened like two weeks prior. It was still very oh, like fresh wow. because my grandma was supposed to be out at Miss America. She didn't make it like she's, she's alive today. She's happy and healthy oh. now. Um, she made it through that whole process, but it just was a scary time there. So I was very emotional. You know, I'm sitting there like, okay, Grace, keep it together here. And then all of a sudden I finished my answer and there's like a two second pause because they're like, oh crap, like, what do we ask now? Um, and this one guy goes, okay, okay, tell me about what we can do to help make reparations towards racism in America. And I'm like, all right, we're doing a 180 here. <laughs> so honestly, that's the most difficult part of, of interviews is you're going from what might be a very, very vulnerable question to right. all of a sudden, OK, how do we solve world peace? Quite literally, like I, I you know, the world peace stuff is a joke uh, in the Miss America world and like the pageant world overall, I think. But at the same time, right. I have no doubt that these women are literally going to solve world peace, like because we're ready for that. And we have thought about it. We're educated. Yep. We're prepared. We're confident. Uh, and that's something that I think we need a little bit more from leadership in America. I'm just going to drop that in there, but that's OK. <laughs> but you know, Grace, I think of all the folks and young ladies that are out there and men, I think that you could solve world uh, peace and people go to war over food and energy. And yep. I believe you have the passion and the knowledge to solve world peace. Yeah. So we got about two more minutes. Uh, now that I'm over here being one of your biggest, you know, cheerleaders out here. You know, oh, well, thanks, Stu. I appreciate it. <laughs> and and uh, I can't wait to get this, uh, have the production team roll this one out. What are your last thoughts uh, as we're coming around to close here? Give us the world according to grace. 
Yeah, you know, I think after having this discussion about world peace and everything, but I, I think one thing that I talked about a lot during the competition and something I still live by to this day, 11 months later, after this life-changing experience, I'm not out here trying to change the entire world. I'm out here just trying to make the one connection that might. Right. And I think that there's a lot of power in treating every human as a human. Wow. Being. And like, this is the biggest thing that I just want every listener to take away. You don't know what somebody else is going through when you have these conversations, whether it's about energy, whether it's about whatever it might be, you know, um, all it takes is just treating people with kindness and respect and sincerity and giving them the time of day. And that's something wow. that I have learned as such a valuable skill as Miss America is sometimes the best thing I can do is just shut up and listen, right? Like, because that's sometimes what people need. Wow. Um, so honestly, you know, my my two cents of 21-year-old wisdom, go forth, conquer the world, people, and treat others with respect. <laughs> Grace, thank you so much yeah. for your time. And I'm going to give a shout out to your person helping you with the scheduling and everything else, because uh, she is doing a phenomenal job. And I would love to make sure I'm going to shoot her note, because if you do get the chance, I have several other uh, really fun people that I'm connecting with. Not I'm, I've already gotten uh, signups for uh, events and live and going on those things from Dubai. And yeah. I'd love to have you in there as well as being able to push that out as well, too. So that offer is there. Dubai is, I think, 12 hours ahead or so, and I do all times of night. So I don't care if there's a certain time that's best for you. I don't sleep anymore. So life is good. So me neither. That's okay. <laughs> I came back from Japan and my time zones are still all screwed up right now. <laughs> but seriously, thank you, so. thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. I really thank do appreciate you. it. Thank you.